Consistent self-improvement, everybody. You are now listening to American Gypsy Podcast. I am your host, Classic, and I am here with my co-host. Gypsy, and today we have Mark V. Smith. He is a speaker and host of a podcast series called The Process, which takes the time to understand how we view life. Welcome to the show, Mark. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you both for having me on this uh, beautiful, blustery day here in, in the D.C. region. I appreciate it. Uh, we appreciate having you. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? Let's start off a little bit. You know, where are you from and what is what it's like growing up where you're at? Man, I, I'm a I'm born and raised in Columbus, Ohio. So O-H-I-O, diehard okay. Buckeye. Um, growing up, man, it was uh, it was a challenge, like like all areas in, in almost everybody's life. Um, you had your your peaks and valleys. I was an athlete and in, in, uh, from the time I was, I guess, uh, in, in uh, born, <laughs> I always ran around the house, um, joined, started playing little league football, man, at an early, early age, was blessed to um, be played at, at, a, at a phenomenal high school and played at the collegiate level as well. Um, things, uh, but one of the things about Ohio or Columbus at that particular time, and I'm not going to tell my age because I'll say, I do hear me say, <laughs> as not the older I get, the wiser I get, right? Mm-hmm. So one of, one of those, uh, uh, back in those times when, when I was coming up, the most of the opportunities were led in two, two directions. You worked at Timkins, which was a bearing manufacturing plant. Mm-hmm. You worked at Anheuser-Busch, which everybody knows about Budweiser, or you drove a little further and you went to work for Honda. Honda, had a, Honda of America had a plant in Marysville. So if you were talking about making any really decent type of money without any true education or I want to say degrees, you're pretty much going to be labeled into one of the what, what I call the big threes. Mm-hmm. But again, um, back there, you, you had that, that type of mentality where you could work and, and, and live pretty, pretty meaninglessly. Well, back in ni- 1999, I remember taking a visit or taking a trip to visit one of my friends in Phoenix, Arizona. And I woke up and looked at my my ex-wife and I said, you know what? We're not going back. She looked at me like I was crazy. I said, we're not going back. We're going to go back to Ohio, go back to Columbus. We're going to sell our house. We're going to sell everything. And we're going to move out here. I wanted my kids to have a, a be well-rounded. I wanted them to be able to, to be multicultural. I wanted them to be able to compete in a society to where you need to raise your game. Uh, above where it was. And I felt at that particular place and time in Ohio, that wasn't going to happen. So that was in July. In September of that year, 1999, we had sold everything, sold our house. And I was in a U-Haul truck driving to to a city outside of, of Phoenix called Chandler, Arizona. I lived there, worked there, uh, worked in post-secondary education for a while there in, in Chandler, actually worked for University of Phoenix. At that time, they were the pioneer on online learning. So I started out in, in the admissions field, worked my way up to admissions manager, and became a regional trainer. So I went from city to city, state to state, actually sitting in boardrooms or conference rooms, talking to people, and, and unbeknown to me with, with how that would lead my career path, I was training people. I was training people then on, on the importance of, of listening, active listening, the importance of keeping individuals motivated, but more importantly, the, the importance of seeing people to have a vision, getting to truly understand what could be should they make those, those types of sacrifices. Um, things turned south um, after 12, 13 years, and uh, I, I got a divorce, and, but then I met my soulmate. I met the woman of my life. I met the, my best friend. You know, over time, you always meet your best friend, um, whether that's sooner or whether that's later. And for me, it was a little later in my life. No, I, notice I didn't say older. I said a little, <laughs> a little later, again, a little later, <laughs> a little later in my life, right? And uh, uh, we met. Actually, met when I was at a conference in Chicago, uh, and I, at that time, I was living in Arizona. And we continued to talk for months and months, months turned into years. And uh, she convinced me to potentially looking at taking a transfer opportunity in the D.C. region. And, you know, man, I haven't looked back. That's been the, the, the springboard of, of my life to, to start to put me on a path to speaking, to mentoring, to coaching individuals, to basically helping people develop their process. You mentioned um, in Columbus the factory um, opportunities. Did, mm-hmm. did you have siblings um, growing up and 
when you said uh, um, one of the things you mentioned on you wanted your kids to have you know a little a well-rounded um i guess playing field or opportunity to kind of, I guess, experience some things. I kind of, I can understand what you mean by that. What age were you when you got a chance to see outside of, or when you, you know, left Columbus or got a chance to see some different things or traveled and to, cause to get a build up to that, all right, I'm in Phoenix or I'm, I'm, I don't want to go back. You know, I left, I, I got a chance to visit Brazil when I was 15. So I kind of already knew mm-hmm. I'll, I'll be out. I'm originally from Mississippi as well. So I can also relate to, what you mean by the factories being a, a certain opportunity, even though, you know, the dreams are still there, but what's some of the, the difference in the opportunities that you had growing up and under you understanding that I want my kids to have these different opportunities than what was either taught to you growing up or, you know, the dreams that was available. And also you, I can see you were in football. So you had a football dream. That's, that all already says travel and do everything except the factory job. So <laughs> what was you know, some, what's the difference? Yeah. You know, I, I was raised in that environment. Uh, my dad worked at Anheuser-Busch. My mm. uncle um, worked at, at, I talked about Timpkins, the bearing plant. So consequently, you, you fall in line and you follow the norm. And I did the, the third. I worked at Honda. I worked at, I stayed in Columbus, Ohio for 32 years of my life. And it, it became a, um, great people, great city. That's my home. It will always be my home. But I just wanted to to experience more. It got it got to that point to where I said I needed to challenge myself. And I wasn't doing it so much for me. I was doing it for to make sure that they had an opportunity to see bigger than what what is in that city. I wanted them to have an opportunity to write their own ticket to be, um, I, we talked about multicultural opportunities as well. You know, in, in that society back in the, again, that was 1999 when I moved, Arizona was a, a very progressive state. And by I mean progressive, they were taking a lot of opportunities with all minorities. It didn't matter whether you were African-American, whether you were Hispanic, whether you were uh, Native American, they basically embraced everybody and said, we're gonna give you a shot. We're going to get you educated. We're going to make sure that you are able to compete. And that was one of the reasons that, or one of the things that drove me. But also in the back of my mind, I needed to grow. I truly needed to grow. I needed to leave a place of comfort. And you'll hear me, I'm sure we'll talk about it shortly. I always say comfort is a casualty of growth. I can't became too comfortable, too comfortable in that day, that driving that 45 minutes to a factory working from from four in the afternoon to one o'clock in the morning. Nice money every week, don't get me wrong, but the wear and tear on my body. I had two surgeries while I was there. Um, oh. One from utilizing the material or the impact guns and all the things that were there. Um, it just became a time to where I needed to step out and find out who I was. And the only way that I was gonna be able to do that was to make that transition. Was I scared? Absolutely. I was scared, but I, I knew that there was something by something driving me to, to make that move, just as something drove me to make that move to the DC region. It was set up for me to embrace it and something bigger and better was gonna come in my life. And those did. A lot of learning, a lot of uh, second guessing, but also no more second guessing at this point in juncture in my life, everything happened for a reason. And I, I feel that reason now. What is it about like the DC area that resonated with you? Um, I'm going to go back and use that word progression again. Um, there's a lot, there was, to me, it, it was a lot of opportunity and a lot of opportunity in a, um, within three or two states in the district, right? You got mm-hmm. DC, you got uh, DC's a district. Yeah, not a state. basically. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. So you had Maryland, you have Virginia, which is a stone throws away, but also I had the opportunity as well to network and talk to individuals in Pennsylvania which is right down 45 minutes down the street. Um, you can go to New Jersey, New York, which is right around the corner. You're in the midst of where I can go to the South. You know, you, you, once you're in Virginia, the next state over is, is the Carolinas. So it became a, 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 a multi-facet uh, area to where I can get the influx of everything and also give me an opportunity to, to take what I dreamed about, which turned into, again, being writing and, and uh, messaging to another level. Um, more opportunity. It truly gave more opportunity. And again, let me let me reiterate because she'll see this as well. My wife, 
<laughs> happy wife, happy life. <laughs> and you know it. <laughs> yeah. Um, what was the culture shock when you went from Arizona to DC? Or for us, we we lived in Atlanta for a while. Um, that's where we met. And we lived in the DMV area um, right there for the listeners, uh, DC, Maryland, Virginia, mm-hmm. um, Virginia, then Virginia one year, DC one year, then back to Virginia one year. And it's just different DC, the inside that circle, getting off the train, mm-hmm. the stuff you see is just a different energy. We're in LA. They have a homeless population. So I definitely feel like the universe warmed us up with dc mm-hmm. to when they get over to la and we're in downtown la so it's a it's another level mm-hmm. it's just a more mixed pool mm-hmm. what is the how did that you know sit with you when you first got to dc was it a surprise or is it similar in arizona where you were or it was how, totally different okay <laughs> totally different um the, the culture in, in Arizona is I, the, the majority of the of the um, residents are are transients, and by me and transients, they they are from some place. Mm-hmm. Very rarely do you find somebody that was born and raised in the state of Arizona. Most of those people come from the East Coast or come from the South, and they take up residence. And then we all know that you know Arizona is one of the huge populations. You know they call them snowbirds, or individuals who would come down there and live in um, you know from. Wow, from October through January, February till it gets hot, and then they would go back to the East Coast, Midwest, or wherever they need to go. So, coming from Arizona, where everything was pretty much laid back, pretty much relaxed atmosphere, to the East Coast, um, DMV, that's total total cultural change. Um, I mean, I was okay with it because I am an energetic type person anyway, but. You know, you, it, it's a, a truly different mentality. It, it is now. I need it now. I want it now. We need to get to that now. I need the answer for that now. And, you know, I, I, a lot of times I have to pull myself, reel myself back in because, you know, we all say we become creatures of, of, our, of our own environment. So sometimes when I'm dealing with certain things or speaking with uh, individuals in the workplace, I kind of kind of mark, slow down for a minute. You need to pull yourself back because you're being just like that. And you, that's not who you are. So, mm. you know, to answer that question, man, it, it shocked me. Um, and I, I remember, you know, I, I remember I was always told that when you walk the streets of D.C., you walk with purpose. You don't walk around looking with your head up in the air, looking like you, you're from uh, 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 a different planet. You walk with purpose. You go where you're going and you keep your head on a swivel because, again, it is uh, a unique environment. And that, that little square or that little circle. That little circle is truly a different environment. And again, you're right. It's a different mentality from D.C. to Virginia, from Virginia to Maryland. They're all truly, truly different, different, uh, different mentalities all the way around. Yeah, we the the vibration was a little different when we were there. Um, It was something different, I guess, coming from Atlanta. Atlanta was full of a lot of energy with, you know, creativity and things like that. And it was just kind of one of the, the differences that when you're going from a place to Atlanta where everybody's superstar and video and, you know, from talent, everything's talent and a lot of things. And then you go to a place like DC and it was for us, or at least in that area, I didn't get, um, it was, it's, it's very corporate, I guess it's a, it's a very corporate energy there. Government. So I, right <laughs> a and lot of government related things. yeah yep. and it really yep. you know it resonated throughout the whole little area you know and it had a certain energy but it just wasn't a creative energy and wasn't a, a ambitious energy that i felt that you know at least it, it, it couldn't supply us the way we felt that's one of the reasons why we were like all right let's shift energies all the way out to a completely different area and you know, I, wife it, as well. Another wife. That's decision. <laughs> it's time to go. Let's go. All right. I'm ready. 
you know. That that I always tell people here again because I spent so much time, you know, thirteen years on on the West Coast, you know, going from Ohio, oh, excuse me, from Arizona to California to Vegas to all those, you know, everybody here, you know, you know, DC, you know, twelve or excuse me, six six square miles, six to eight square miles, and they talk about how it takes along for traffic, hour to hour and a half, hour fifteen minutes to get. 13, 14 miles. I used to tell them all the time, you haven't seen uh, LA traffic. You, yeah. If you want some traffic, you talk about this, this is a baby. Get on five. Talk to me. <laughs> get, on, Let me... Get, on get on 10 and talk to me. And then, then then come back and talk to me about traffic. So yeah, we, we I go banter back and forth when people here talk about traffic. I'm like, ah, you ain't seen traffic. With you yeah. saying traffic, you notice uh, bumpers, the bumper guards? Do you notice people have a lot of those there? Oh, yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Is absolutely. that something you ever notice in other places? No, no. And you notice about one one out of every, I think I, we talked about it at another time and um, a few weeks ago, one out of every seven cars are scratched. Have a scratch. One out of every seven cars has a scratch. Somebody has bumped them, scratched it. Ding! I don't care what kind of car you got. You know, it's, it's getting scratched up in here because folks have that that go 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 mentality. Why do you think the people here, like you said, the traffic is crazy here? The traffic is crazy in Atlanta, <laughs> but people don't have bumper guards. Bumper guards are selling in that area, mm -hmm. but they're not selling like in the South where there's terrible traffic, they're not selling in downtown. I don't see, I've never seen any, I drove Uber for a year and a half here. I've never mm -hmm. seen anybody with bumper guards. You know, I, I, I have no idea here again. It, it's, uh, maybe it has to do with the ice. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, I, just, <laughs> I don't know about that. I would just say it's more, I, it could be, you could say they're progressive. You could say that they're more, try to be more, a little bit more vigilant of their vehicles. Um, maybe they want to, maybe the trade-in value is def. the trade-in value definitely is, is different on the West coast and the South because cars are getting eat up, you know, it's snow and inclement weather, you know, that they're definitely getting eat up. So trade-in value could have something to do with it. So if you can keep that bumper guard on it and can <laughs> hold the car as long as you can, then hey, it might, it might, that resale value might help you out a little bit. <laughs> I know they also once did a study on people falling asleep while driving. It was at a, at a pretty big, a pretty high rate and that was something that was happening um i guess because of lifestyle mm -hmm. and i know that they even say even in la a lot of people if you're born and raised in la you probably spend a lot of your time in traffic or a lot of your life in traffic i can i can imagine yeah i really can imagine so quality of life is very important mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. absolutely and what you make out of it, you know, I, I always, and that's what I write about when I talk about the process is I talk about how we take these things and we, we are go to that state of, of what that, what it truly means. And oftentimes we don't truly assess what we go through and assess the situation, not problem, assess the situation for what it's worth and try to pull something of positivity out of it. And it, it's so important that we step back for a minute and say, whether I'm in traffic, you know, I used to hate traffic. Guess what? Having an opportunity to be in traffic now gives me an opportunity to sit back for a minute and reassess my thoughts. I'm always trying to do a self-evaluation or self-check to see, is it anything that I can do to help change the course of trajectory, not only internally but for myself, but for those that I come in contact with. So it, it takes on a whole new different meaning now than what it what it used to, which is why I'm writing a series now. If I only knew then what I know now. How often should people take the time to self-reflect and kind of just go and really look at certain things? Or is it should it be a certain situation, a certain high, a certain low? Or, or is there just a nice schedule to have where you feel? I do it. You know, I do it every night. I do it every night before I rest my head. You know, I, I go back and ask myself simply four questions. I say, number one, was I was I impeccable to my word today? You know, Don Ruiz's four agreements was I impeccable to my word today, meaning if, did I promise somebody something and did I carry it out or did I offer them a solution for that if I didn't? Number two, did I take things personally? 
because we I have a lot of interaction with a lot of different people with a lot of from a lot of different nationalities from a lot of different mindsets every single day whether it's on Zoom whether it's in in uh, on the stage those types of things so I ask myself did I take things personally number four or excuse me number three do did I make assumptions what did I did I accurately assess everything that was there or did I make an assumption about something that I shouldn't have made and lastly did I give my best. Did I give my absolute all that whole day to make Mark uh, complete? And if I can answer, check those boxes to each one of those, man, it's a sweet night's sleep. If I can't ask that, answer those, or there's one, one or two of those off, then I know I got work to do. I got work to do that next day to try to make up for that. So to, to really answer your question as well, I, the first time, the first steps when we wake up in the morning, when we take a look in our mirror, that's when self-assessment starts. Because what we see, is what we're going to display. How we feel internally is what what our, our our spouses, what our friends, what our coworkers, what everybody we come in contact with, that is what they're going to get. That's what they're going to feel. So I do. I make it a practice to do check check myself every single day to make sure I'm on that path to trajectory, not flatline. I'm going forward, or as I say, I'm growing forward. What are some of the tips that you use to kind of you know? keep you balanced when things get a little turbulent or, you know, anxiety? Or... I, 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 I have to have that quiet time. Um, I've gotten a lot better and I'm going to continue to get better. You know, I get up at four, between four and four 30 every morning. doesn't matter whether it's seven days a week, four, four 30. And that first few hours, I'm getting myself mentally charged, whether I'm, I'm listening to a podcast, whether I'm usually in the gym, 99% of the time I'm in the gym by 4.30, 4.45. I'm blessed to have a, a full home gym downstairs in my basement. Um, so I'm, I'm blessed to have that time. And then I have that, that, that quiet time to where I can actually get something and read. Um, I wasn't the type of person who read a lot coming up through high school again and wasn't a person truly read a whole lot when I was in Arizona. But the wiser, not older, the wiser I get, I know there's there's so much information that I want to surround myself with to make me a better, well-rounded person. So from 4.30, really from 4.30 to 7 o'clock, man, I'm locked in. I'm locked, you know, who Mark is. What does Mark have to do to frame his mindset to get ready? Then from that point on, my day is, is, is so um, structured that, but I've prepared myself so you can't knock me off my square that day. You can't because I've got myself together from my morning routines and things that I, I know from trial and, trials and errors that I know is going to keep me right there for whatever I, whatever I need to tackle for that day. We're happily married and, you know, we've, like I said, never experienced a, a divorce. What are some of the things that you learned from your first for divorce and basically that's you saying in your new divorce or i mean not new your new marriage your new marriage like i said you know you've got it this is right this is you know as far as this you know the connection is there you know it's a, a it's a soulmate to you mm -hmm. know what are some of the things that you're talking to people or if, you know, to an audience that may not know what to look for in certain things for, you know, that you've had the experience to recognize, okay, this wasn't right. And this is right. You don't have to share, you know, you don't have to go deep, but just, you know, I just think borderline. it was, it was a, um, a point in, in my life to where I've, I was truly trying to, to, um, tr truly trying to grow and didn't mean that, that she was not trying to grow as well. We grew at different paces and it was the, the relationship became a, a toxic relationship by toxic. I mean, there was, um, I experienced a, a mental, mental abuse, it wasn't physical abuse. It was things that were said on a consistent basis mm -hmm. that didn't sit well in my spirit. So it became time to I needed to separate that before to get myself from feeling less than from feeling worthless. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, we talk about it and I, and when I do have uh, workshops as well, a lot of times we talk about this, the, the mental health portion of things that we all go through. And I didn't seek that mental health portion that I needed at that time. 
So when I truly, it, it got to the point to where it was no longer going to work for me because it was so stressful on me. I had, I, I had returned to alcohol. I had turned to um, uh, staying out all night. All those, all those vices, all those things that could happen did happen in my life. But what changed again is I had to look in my mirror and realize that I'm okay, God. And God, God said it was time for me to, to end that chapter and move to the next chapter. So I did was lucky. Again, I found my, found uh, a woman who actually had time to, to listen. We talked on the phone maybe six or seven, about five, five to seven months before we actually met again. We met at, at, at a conference, talked at the conference, stayed in contact five or six months before we even connected again. She just became, and, and I will say that for everybody, she became a, a, a best friend, somebody who actually, she, we shared a lot of chemistry. She had gone through a divorce as well. She um, had children. I had children. We both were looking at, at the positive outlooks in life, not the negative things that were going on in life. So it became something that was just, it was destined to be. And, you know, over time, we continue to grow and, and we challenge each other. We challenge each other to be better all the time and not in a negative way to where, you know, you, you, you fail short this time. No, babe, let's talk about, let's reassess our plan. Let's reassess what we said we were going to do and let's work together and honestly figure out how are we going to get there. So it became, it becomes a, a true unification. And again, as you evolve in life and, and uh, uh, mentally, spiritually, and emotionally, you always find that type of person in your life and you find that type of individual that can help you move you help each other move to different levels. And that is something that I encourage everybody to do. Find somebody that can help you. You both help each other move to different levels. And, and once you do, you hold on and you hold tight because again, life is short and you never know what might happen. Thank you, you for sharing that. You said mm -hmm. earlier, everything happens for a reason. Um, and we believe in that as well. What, what do you feel like your first marriage, what was that experience supposed to teach you? What did you, you know, obviously it happened for a reason for you to get whatever you got out of it in terms. So what do you feel like is that? The lesson that I learned from it is that um, you truly have to communicate. Communication, without communication, without honest and open communication, without placing blame, you have nothing. Because once you start doing that, you become selfish and you can't be selfish inside of a relationship. So I'm going to take ownership and say that I am, I am part of that as well, because it didn't just happen overnight. It was it, certain situations, certain things occurred that allowed me to do it. The thing that happened again is we didn't take the time to truly communicate back and forth to potentially iron it out. Now, if that had not happened, again, she is doing much better with her life right now. I am definitely doing much better with, with my life. We have two wonderful sons out of that, out of that, uh, out of that marriage, and it just became a part again that that you can you can still um, grow and be a, a good person. You can still grow and be better people, and you still can understand that just some people just aren't for you for the rest of your life. That's that is 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 a reality. And it wasn't like we didn't try. I mean, it's over 20 years before before we got divorced. So we were married over 20 years before before we got divorced. It just became that point to where I had to reassess. She had to reassess how much of this is truly about us being married or how much of this is truly about the kids. And if it's about our happiness, then it's time to, if it's really truly about our happiness, then it's time to let it go and move on because we both wanted each other to be happy at the end of the day. What were some of the fears that you had that may have kept? Cause I th I've, I've remember um, a post from Lil Duval that spoke of couples that are not together, don't live together, but just never got that divorce. Never, you know, pushed it to finalize it, to go have that better life what were the fears do you think that you know you may have kept you or allowed you to hold on and what are the fears do you think that some of these other 
men that, like you said, they may be dealing with um, verbal abuse the same way. Because mm-hmm. I can understand what you mean by that. My, I, I you know, can reflect in my parents' um, relationship. They divorced when I was elementary. But the verbal thing is so much, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot stronger than people think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, because... It's- Worse than physical. It's truly worse than physical. Because when you yeah. scar the mind and you scar the heart, you can't repair that. You will always go back and, and remember that. No, no matter what, you can make up. You know, you you can say you forgive, but you never forget. You mm-hmm. never forget, and you you're on edge for that and waiting for it. You know that old saying, "Rocking on ready, sitting on go." You you're waiting for it. You're just truly waiting for it to come back up again and to launch you into another level. But to ask me why I stayed, I answer a simple answer. I wanted my kids to see their dad not as a failure. And if I go back and look at it, and again, if I only knew then what I know now, if I go back and, and, and do those, when we should have divorced many, many years ago, many years ago, because I wasn't a failure. I was a great dad, great father. You know, I took care, I, I, I um, cooked for them. I coached them in Little League. I did their homework. I took them to school, from school. I was basically mom and dad for a great majority of their life. So I I, I didn't want to potentially lose that relationship with them. And I'm going to be honest, I, um, we as as some men don't have take care of that responsibility of their, of their children. I wasn't going to be that dad. I was going to be there for mine. I was going to raise them the best way. I was going to have conversation with them about the importance of being a good father and being a a man. So that is what kept me locked in or kept me not seeking my true happiness was making sure that they were okay. Was it right? No, because I should have trusted the fact or trusted the process and trusted the fact that, that they would recognize that I'm still a great dad. They would respect me more because they see that you should be able to be happy and can take care of, of your children. So I, I sent them a mixed message that I wish I wouldn't have did it, but they're doing what they need to do and they're grown and they have their own kids. And I've got grandkids that I get to spoil and send them back to them. So I'm okay now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay now. And for like some situations for, I guess, some men who don't have kids involved mm-hmm. to keep them there but they still for for those relationships that do you know stay together during those divorces because the, i guess those were some of the examples that was on that comments of the post like and i even know some people personally who are you know they've caught a hard time but it was still no kids but it's still something there that's like we're gonna we're gonna hold it out Mm-hmm. Is that a fear or is that is that a love? Even if it's an abusive relationship, no, I, it can't I, be love. I think it's it's you know I think it's they 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 feel their their own self worth is questioned. You know mm-hmm. they they're value they're devaluing who they are. You know because if we the truth be told, there isn't any person that should be able to take us truly off our square. Now is that reality? No. It's not reality, but it should be. We should be self-confident in ourselves to know that no matter what it is, I'm going to be okay. And, and no, whoever, nobody can steal my joy, whether it's my wife, whether it's my, my mom or dad. I should be self, the, the self-awareness, um, the self-desire, the self-personalization, excuse me, should be strong enough to where we can, we can hold it on our own. Now again, that's a perfect world. So to to fear that you your own self esteem that you can't make it by yourself or you need this person, I think that is that's something that each individual truly needs to assess. And I would hope that they would find a way to get to that point to where they can actually find the happiness and peace within, whether that's through therapy, whether that's through uh, uh, counseling sessions or focus groups or or something of that nature. That's the target needs to be because it really isn't. You know, honestly, man, it really isn't anybody in this world that really shouldn't focus on being happy all the time. You don't need the dependency of anybody else to do that. You control that. The, the thoughts you think, the actions you take are in our control. That's it. That, that, is, that is factual. What are some of the, the steps you took? Like, right, if you can remember 
right afterwards that helped you build that confidence every time you looked in the mirror like okay this is day one afterwards i'm gonna move forward this is day two i'm gonna move forward this is day five i'm gonna move forward accepting who i was accepting see people confuse i talk a lot about about purpose and a lot of people think or, or, or assume that purpose is actually being designed to do something specific and they confuse purpose with a platform meaning i am speaking to this to do xyz we each in each person each individual is purpose you are created different you're designed different you're special in your own way so i had to go back and realize and accept you know what mark is a darn good guy mark is is an intelligent guy mark is it, mark may there may be so many other people who look better than him and that's fine but i have to believe in myself that somebody out there is going to love me for me i've got a heart and a soul and I need to express my heart and soul and don't worry about being hurt again. Don't worry about being told no. Don't worry about being frustrated anymore. I had to take the, the ownership and, and realize that every day is going to be a struggle. I'm not going to feel it every day, but you know what? I'm going to put my best foot forward. And when I think I can't, then I'm going to grab a piece of paper and look at it and says, it's Mark, Mark, Mark V. Smith is, is powerful. Mark V. Smith is respected. Mark V. Smith is a king. Mark V. Smith can prosper. Mark V. Smith will prosper. Mark V. Smith will do X, Y, and Z. And read it, post it, look at it. Man, I had a mirror full of stickies. <laughs> stickies all across. I mean, you couldn't even see. I had to cut out a little portion of it so I could see my face when I wash my face and brush my teeth. <laughs> but again, those, those, those daily affirmations, man, uh, the, 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 the feeling of it within to know that I am going to get through this and I am truly on my way back to being where I need to go. It's a tough road, but you know what? You can get there. You, everybody can get there. Oh yeah. And days that you don't believe the positive self-talk, like what are some things you can do to kind of interrupt the the negative, you know, cause sometimes it, it doesn't, you know, you, you don't believe yourself when you say you know there are days when you get knocked off balance and you don't um the self-negative you know, yeah mm. like what are some things that you can do to kind of interrupt that negativity and kind of try to gear that into a positive direction go back and revisit why i'm doing what i'm doing go back and visit why i need to why i need to move to the next level Go back and revisit the self-assessment. Go back and ask myself, how truly bad do I want to be successful? Ask myself, how good do I truly believe that I can be? And write that down and look at it and stare at it and understand that, uh, understand that, that feeling that I had of, of, of less than self-worth, all those, those are temporary feelings. Those are going to pass. When I get knocked off my square, guess what? I'm going to get back on that square. I be all of us collectively have been more on on top of our square than off our square, because I always say that there hasn't been any situation that we haven't come through. It may not worked out the way that we wanted to, but we made it through it, and we made it through it because we continue to push ourselves to make it through it. Nobody there's there's that internal push that nobody needs to touch you because your purpose, <laughs> your purpose. You nobody needs to tell you that you you need to get better. You know it. Nobody needs to tell you that you're going to make it, they're going to push through because truly and instinctively, you know, you're going to push through. The question is, how bad do you want to push through? And that's where a lot of people, I think, fall in that, in that line and say, you know, woe is me. But really and truthfully, you know, I, I really learned family that the best things in my life were the, were the mistakes and the bad situations that I had because I learned something. I gained wisdom. I gain knowledge. I gain information that I can share with somebody else that's going through the same thing or has going to, or guess what? We all are going to go through that I can help try to help them move to the next level and make that window a lot smaller than what it would be if I didn't minister or talk to them about it. We definitely appreciate the gems that you're sharing with us and the good energy for our listeners as well. Thank you. Thank you. I did want to talk about your, your podcast. Um, I'm not sure if it's a book yet. I, I was reading um, 
about it, but tell us a little bit about your series and um, what, what's, I guess, uh, what are you doing with that? Mm-hmm. Well, I, what I've, what I've created was a, um, a 10, it's going to be a 10 episode or 10 part um, series entitled The Process. And what I look back at, and I had to think about through all my life, the learning lessons that I had. And when I looked at it, I said, well, these are all valuable valuable pieces of information, Mark, valuable gems that you can share with everybody. But, but can you do it in a simple way of just writing something and putting it out there? Would that catch somebody's attention? But more importantly, would it, will it resonate? Would it retain? And then I said, wait a minute. What if I use acronyms? What if I create a series of, of, of messages with acronyms inside of it so people could retain it? So I, I did. Um, I started writing back in 2000, late 2018, first part of 2019. I started chronicling things about my life. And I thought about, well, for anybody to, to move to another level, you know, you got to have um, a foundation. And I thought about the times that I considered, me, me personally, I considered me being at rock bottom. And rock bottom for me, meaning um, going through a divorce, um, turning to alcohol as a crutch, um, not wanting to go to work, um, didn't want to even deal with my, see my kids because I thought my kids would think less of me. So I needed something or needed to write a message or messages that would would help people get through some, some tough times. So I started with the foundation. And one of the things that I utilized with the foundation is I wrote the very first podcast, I called it AIR. And I said, you know, when I write this, I'm going to you know, do something different, dare to be different. So I'm going to add the extra R to it. So instead of A-I-R, it's A-I-R-R. And that's the, that stood for accountability, integrity, responsibility, and respect. That, to me, is the core of how you take yourself or, or, or a reference point to make sure that you are moving everything in the right way. So accountability, um, that is something that, a lot of people struggle with. You know, I, I talk about, openly talk about all my messages about some of the things that I've done in my life from, from travel to uh, relationships, to kids, to, to uh, different events, these types of things. So in that, I, I diagram how I, at some point, I had to take ownership of everything that I did. It's on me. All the, all the lies, all the cheating, all the mistakes, all the squandering money, all, the, all those things, that's on me. So I had to be accountable for that. Then I talk about the integrity. Man, that's key. You know, you can do, integrity is truly doing things that you know you're supposed to do when nobody's watching all the time. And so it's not sometimes you do it, sometimes you don't. That is the definition of integrity. Being there to, 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 to help people when you really don't have to, but you're doing it all the time. You know, I ask my wife all the time, well, years ago, I think I know the answer now. I asked her when we first got together, why did you, why did you really fall in love with me? What was it that I did different than anybody else? She said, it's the way that you help elderly people. See, I will still, to this day, if I see an elderly person trying to, to carry bags or carry their, their groceries, I will stop what I'm doing. I've left her in the parking lot in the rain to stop and go help them and put that in their car. Or I'll be in the store and they're trying to reach it. <laughs> exactly. I'll, I'll, reach up, I'll, I'll reach up. I see them struggling to reach up something in the store. I'll leave her to the side and I'll go, ma'am, you want, can I help you get that? Um, so it, the, the integrity, that, that's what it's about. It's about doing it. Next one, and that would have been the responsibility. You know, I, I spent 30, 32 years in Ohio. I'm still responsible for a lot of the young men and young women whose lives I affected there. The 13 years in Arizona, I'm still responsible for that. I'm still responsible for, for the, the individuals in Baltimore, the individuals in D.C. that I interact with and that I, I'm on stage or the events that I, I speak at. I'm responsible for that. That is, that is what I am called to do. You know, I used to say when I was younger, it's not my monkey, not my circus, meaning I ain't got nothing to do with it. But it is my responsibility. And then the last one is respect. You know, we live in a time right now where, where we don't respect each other. We don't respect our, their views. We don't respect their outlook. Look, I don't have to care what you, what you do or, or how you do it, but I owe you the respect to have that conversation. We shake hands. We part as friends, but we don't have to come, come, again, come in contact again. That's my choice. That's your choice. So the foundation of moving forward to, to create or what I've created was that accountability, integrity, responsibility. 
and respect. Then I moved on to another series that was called um, The Perfect Storm. I used that to kind of talk a lot about that time, COVID. You know, that was an opportunity where everybody, the playing field was level, man. Nobody, we had nothing but time. So you really had to take a good look at yourself and see where you were at. It forced you to do that. Now, I tell my wife, that's when I truly, I I love her. Um, We're best friends, but man, we jail. We truly, truly, and we've been, we've been married for six years now, but we know, we've known each other for 10. But man, over COVID, we jail. I mean, like, boom. I, because we really took the time to really sit down and listen, not talk. We listened to each other. And that's the same thing with everybody. You, we had that time and still for some had that time to make sure you took a, take a look at where you're at. And I wrote a message inside there entitled growth. And I said, you know, a lot of people question well, why growth? I said, because every day is a, a specific opportunity to grow. But don't get it twisted. Growth for me still stands for gradual reminder, obstacles will test hope. That's growth. That is truly being able to take a look at where you are, things that are going on in your life, the divorce, the, 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 the drug addiction, anything that anybody has going on in their life, that's the obstacle. Obstacle that will test your hope. And for me, that oh, the obstacle equals opportunity because there's an opportunity to move yourself and move your life to another level. So that series was pretty successful. And then after I, after we came out or I met, finished that series, I went to something else. Well, we've got a foundation. I got, I, I, we've dealt with the perfect storm. Why not me? Why not me? Why shouldn't I be able to move to different levels? Why shouldn't I uh, be able to, to express myself and talk to individuals in a certain way? Why don't I deserve the things that, that I've worked extremely hard for? I'm not talking about being selfish or arrogant or anything like that, but I'm talking about sending a message that where you need to be proud of who you are. You don't need to think that you're less than. And again, that was eight series, which was in the process. Then I moved to the next one, which was... Um, so something that everybody really got a kick out of is we all guilty of procrastination, the thief of time. So I wrote messages inside there talking about, you know, you know what you're supposed to do. What's holding you back other than you? So you can't blame society. You can't blame uh, your mom, your dad, your spouse. You can't blame anybody. It's you. It's all about you and what you truly need to do. And if you understand why not me? And you understand the premise of you, you, you've put in the work, you've gone through the suffering, you, you've been through different things, then you're still standing. What are you waiting on? And then I'm in series six right now, the process, which is called procrastination, the thief of time. And man, this one is a, this is a true reflection of everything that um, I think we all go through and everything that we um, second guess sometimes. And um, we, we truly, truly, truly uh, reflect a lot on some of the positives, more of the positives than anything else that, that we that we are. And, you know, we don't question where we would be if we'd have listened then. We just harness the fact that we had a chance to learn that lesson. And we, now we truly have a chance to minister or talk to somebody about those lessons alike. So six series thus far, there's eight to 10 messages in each series. It will be 10 series. It will be a book, packaged, wrapped, and placed out there as a blueprint for individuals who truly, truly um, want a resource. I like to say a resource to to get through, to go through as they go as they get through. That's the process. Is that your creative? Is that your writing process? You're having it in, you know, using the podcast to kind of formulate your thoughts on it, and then turn mm-hmm. use that to turn it into a book. And it's on, it's not only do I do it, not only can you find it on um, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, all of that. I do a, a radio show on star107fm.com every other week and I release a new message. So that I'm in my second year of working with them right now and in talks with another radio station right now that is uh, that will probably be releasing this as well. So it'll be two radio stations plus my podcast just sharing a message plus again public speaking sharing a message that that we can get through that everybody has stuff everybody has stuff but stuff doesn't define you stuff is stuff it's that that heavy bag get rid of that heavy bag focus on that light bag the things that's going to bring you joy the things that you wake up to the things that give you your your that you feel 
give you the best shot to make it. And the things that always surround you and the thing, the tools to surround yourself with people that's going to keep you uplifted, not your cage, definitely not your cage, but your circle. Congratulations on your success and yeah. your process and everything that's coming along. Thank you. Thank you. It's a blessing. It truly is a blessing. Before we get ready to close it out, would you like to let them know, let our audience know where they can find your information? Absolutely. They can go to, they can look up uh, Mark Smith, the process. Um, I've got YouTube information video out. We just got, just finished shooting a new commercial. So stay tuned for that. That's going to be released on YouTube. Um, Again, you can find all my information, Mark Smith, the process on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora. Um, Again, my website, uh, theprocessmarksmith.com. And my email is mark at theprocessmarksmith.com. I'm on Instagram under Within Your Process. You can find me on Facebook under Mark V. Smith, <laughs> The Process, as well as a LinkedIn under Mark Smith. So again, I ask everyone to reach out to me. Again, I, um, I, I find passion in helping people um, believe that they can get through. It's not something that is, is scripted. It's not nothing that is never um, something that, that I, I take advantage of. I, uh, I truly, truly feel humbled, honored, and blessed to have an opportunity to share information. So we're all called to serve. We truly are. We're called to serve. We're called to help. We're called to be that voice sometimes when somebody really needs it. And at the end of the day, man, it, it's my job. You know, People can leave people bitter. My goal is to always leave somebody better, better than they were when they came in, better when they were, better than they will be the, the next few minutes. So, and, and put them on a path to be better tomorrow because that's what life is truly about, making all of us reach our goals and make all of us better personally, professionally, and with our fan for our families. Yes. Thank you to our listeners. Thank you again, Mark, for your time and consideration and sharing positive energy with us definitely um, feel like we've gotten better some from talking to you <laughs> yeah <laughs> you guys come back to the dmv i need to see you dinner's on me in the uh, same here, same here as as to, uh, you're coming to la we have a studio yeah. here uh so we can do a live recording yeah come well. sit in with us and have another recording absolutely we love it yeah thank you to our listeners and um, everything Mark has mentioned will be in the description. And for the podcast, you can find us at AmericanGypsy.com. Um, you can find uh, consistent self-improvement merch at LuamLee.com. And we have music. Have music under Classic Carpenter, under um, Tidal, Spotify, Apple Music, uh, All YouTube. The major that's classic K L A C C I K C A R P E N T A. Some um, instrumentals, cello instrumentals, little vocal work, some nice soothing stuff. Thank you again to our listeners and to our audience. We love you for your support, and we really, really um, are grateful for you know all of the positive energy that we receive from our guests as well as our listeners. Thank you again. Consistent self-improvement to everybody. And we'll see you next time. Peace. Peace.